When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog dedicated to covering your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, back this week off uh, an IR stint for a non COVID illness, uh, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, many of the Blue Jackets uh, are on the real IR at the moment. Um, so we'll be talking more about that later and how they're persevering through that. Also, we'll take some mailbag questions from listeners. But first, there is an issue that I have to address uh, that came up this evening just as I sat down to record this. Um, a Michigan State hockey player, Jagger Joshua, posted on social media. Uh, he says that, on November 11th in our game against Ohio State, one of their players called me a racial slur multiple times. One of the officials heard the slur and gave the player a game misconduct penalty. There was an investigation by the Big Ten in the days after the incident, but no further public action has been taken by the Big Ten Conference or Ohio State. This action has left me feeling confused and pessimistic about the movement of diversity within hockey culture. The ignorance of racism does not belong in our game. And I feel that I need to make people aware that this incident occurred because without acknowledgement, the problem gets worse. Um, and there's more to his statement there. And I encourage you to seek it out. But um, I, I would be upset by this uh, incident w- regardless of where it happened in hockey. But the fact that it happened at Ohio State 
and that I'm an Ohio State fan, I am embarrassed. I am livid. Uh, this should not have happened. Um, I am glad that a referee heard it and that he took action and assessed the game misconduct penalty. Um, you know, it's especially disheartening to think that if the ref hadn't heard it, if we just had Jagger Joshua's statement, that there'd be people saying that it never happened, that he was making it up, you know, but at least we have evidence that it did happen. Um, but the fact that there has not been any public acknowledgement um, from Ohio State or the Big Ten is immensely disappointing. Um, now, Jagger did not mention the player by name, but by looking through the box score from that game, you can see that there was just one game as conduct, and it was Camille Sadlocha, a senior forward from Illinois. Um, and no further action was taken that we're aware of. Uh, he was not suspended. He played the next weekend against Notre Dame. Um, I don't know what the right answer is for how much additional punishment there would need to be, but I know that what we have seen is not enough. At the very least, I feel like there needed to be some sort of public apology from both Ohio State and from the player. Um, that is the the very first step, that is the bare minimum that you can do to start to make this right. Um, you know, this doesn't need to completely derail the player's career, but the only way that we can stop these things from happening in the future is if there are consequences for them in the present. And if the player can acknowledge where he went wrong, that is how we can take the steps towards forgiving him, you know? Um, a statement was released from Ohio State uh, as I record this. Uh, now, they did not post this like on social media. This just came through their PR office. The Ohio State Department of Athletics and the men's hockey program worked collaboratively with the Big Ten Conference to come to a resolution in response to the allegation of misconduct towards Big Ten sportsmanship policy. Now, I don't, I don't understand what's what that is supposed to mean. Like, and they call it an allegation of misconduct. Like, why is it considered an allegation at this point? Are you calling the ref a liar? Because he heard it. You know, there's there's evidence that this happened. Um, but there's there's no there's no apology here. They're just like, oh, we investigated it and we addressed it, but you're not explaining what went wrong and what was what steps were taken to address it. And then later on, they have this this word salad of things like, we are committed to recognizing our remarkable diversity and utilizing our core values to ensure everyone attending or participating in an athletic event feels safe and welcome. Okay, but you're obviously not that committed because Jagger Joshua didn't feel welcome there that day and probably would not feel welcome coming back there for another game. Um, and to add another layer of disappointment here, uh, Jagger's older brother, Dakota, played at Ohio State fairly recently. Um, so this family is part of the Ohio State family. Um, and yet Dakota's younger brother uh, was victimized this way by a former teammate of his. Uh, that uh, It's just completely unacceptable 
it's really disappointment disappointing this is the outcome uh this was an opportunity for ohio state to be proactive here and make a public statement to make it very clear that this is unacceptable behavior um and instead it seems like they just thought they could sweep this under the rug yeah just really really disappointing and um you know, I wish I didn't have to talk about this. I want to just talk about fun hockey stuff, but this is important, and I think that light needs to be shed on this um, until the right actions are taken. And I just wish that Ohio State didn't require public shaming to do the right thing. But hopefully, there still is a chance for um, you know Ohio State and Sidlocha to um, own up to what happened and do the right thing here. So I'll take a quick break, and when I come back, I will answer your mailbag questions. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. As I said, uh, the Blue Jackets have a wave of injuries here. This is really disappointing. Um, Zach Wierenski out for the season with a shoulder injury. J- Justin Nanferth out for the season with a shoulder injury. Jake Bean also with a shoulder injury out indefinitely. Sounds very uh, unlikely that he's back this season. Uh, and then some players on shorter term. Adam Boquist has a broken foot. Dick Blankenberg has a broken ankle. Patrick Line suffered a uh, an injury. Jake Voracek out indefinitely with an upper body body injury. Uh, all told, we have uh, eight players on the injury list. Elvis Merzlikens also on that list. $38 million worth of players are on the injured list for the Blue Jackets. And yet, in these six games since they came back from Finland... They've collected nine out of 12 possible points. They have won four games out of those six. Um, This is maybe starting to have shades of December 2019, you know, where it seems like every game a new player went down injured, and yet the team just kept collecting points. Now, this isn't exactly the same. They're not winning in the same way. That team in December 2019, they were finally starting to click defensively, 
playing really, really great defensive hockey and then getting great goaltending from Jonas Corposalo. Uh, this time, the team is still not getting great goaltending, although shout out to Daniil Tarasov for a 47 save effort uh, in a win over Florida in which he faced 50 shots against. It's absurd. Um, and this team is still not good defensively. Um, but they're getting wins. Now, they're beating bad teams, but you know, remember not too long ago where they played Arizona at home. Arizona's a bad team, and Arizona just blew them out of the building. So to be able to win the games we're supposed to is progress, I guess. So, um, you know, is this something sustainable? Uh, I don't know. I suspect not. I do think that this is still a lost season, uh, and I wrote about that on Monday, so check that out at jacketscanon.com. I put together some thoughts I had about, um, you know, where the team is now, where they should be going, thoughts on tanking and how fans should react to tanking. Um, I'm not going to rehash that here, but just suffice to say, I, I still can't get on board with this team losing. Uh, I think it's fun when they win. You know, I want to see them win. I want to see the players who are going to be here next year and beyond play well now because that's something they can build on. Um, but I think this team is going to finish poorly in the end. And a consolation prize for having a bad season is that we might get a very high draft pick. And then that will be something we can add to the core and that can help us be much better in the future. That's the what I think is the healthy perspective on this going forward. So uh, in light of all this, though, I asked for some questions uh, on Twitter and on the site, and I got um, a wide variety of questions. I asked for, you know, questions on any topic, and, well, you, you all responded. So uh, we'll start with, uh, from the comments here, from uh, Bright and Sunny, is Joe Flacco a elite quarterback? So right off the bat here with a football question, and that is a uh, a timeless question. And no, no, Joe Flacco is not elite and really has never been elite aside from one um, inexplicable playoff run. Um, but, you know, he turned that Super Bowl into a lot of money for himself, so good for him. And it sounds like some Jets fans are wanting him to uh, start in place of Zach Wilson. So uh, that's probably a bad sign for them. Um, I'm a Browns fan, but I kind of quit the Browns because the whole Deshaun Watson thing. So I've really not watched any NFL this year. And frankly, I'm really happy about it. <laughs> I'm not missing it at all. Also in the comments from General Mokus, uh, aside from the trade deadline targets like Gavi and Nyquist, what other non-obvious players do you think are most likely to be traded? So first of all, I don't know if I've addressed this here or not, but I do agree with uh, both of those names there. Gus Nyquist, Vladislav Gavrikov, both are unrestricted free agents next summer. So I think absolutely you have to trade those guys to get something for them. Uh, this is very similar to a couple years ago where... Nick Felino, David Savard, Riley Nash, all those guys were pending free agents and all three of them were traded. And all told, we got pretty good packages in return for all those guys. So 
Uh, if we can get anything close to that for uh, Nyquist and Gavrikov, I think we have to do it. Um, I think both of those guys would have value, especially if we retain salary. Um, I mean, Gavrikov is the kind of guy, he's a big physical defenseman. Playoff teams are always looking to add that. They always seem to be willing to spend a first-round pick even to get a player like that. Uh, Gus Nyquist is a guy with playoff experience. He's a consistent offensive threat. He can also play you know, power play, penalty kill. Um, he's a guy that if you can get him on reduced salary to be like a, a proven scoring threat on your third line for a playoff team, that's the kind of player that can push things over the top. So those guys definitely should be on the block. Um, another one who I think is on the block would be Jonas Corposalo. Now, I certainly did not expect that to be the case at the start of the season. I didn't know what to expect from him. I didn't expect much, to be honest. But, you know, he's looked solid since he came back into the lineup. Not outstanding, but pretty good. Um, now, I don't think any team is going to see him as the answer to the goaltending problems, but I could see a team that decides that they want better goaltending depth going into the postseason, uh, that maybe they have someone as their number two who they don't feel comfortable with if their starter were to go down. And if you look at recent playoff history, there are a lot of teams that have injuries at goaltender. And I think a team could sell themselves on what Corpusalo did in the bubble in 2020 and say, oh, hey, here's a goalie that's been successful in the playoffs. He knows how to win in the playoffs. So maybe, you know, if something happens to our starter, this is a guy that could help us a lot in that situation. So um, I don't expect a huge return. But for a guy that I didn't even want to re-sign last summer, if we could get like a fourth or fifth round pick for him, that's um, that's getting something out of nothing. So that's one to look out for. There's really... I think a lot of players that could be on the move. I think you hold on to the stars that are locked up long-term, Warensky, Goudreau, Line A. Veterans like Jenner and Corrali, I think are still worth more to us than they are to anyone else, so you hold on to them, plus the, their locker room presence. Um, a guy like Goodbranson is just not tradable with that horrible contract. Um, and if someone's willing to take it, then I think you move him, but I don't expect that to happen. Um, but then you've got all of the young stars that are the new core of the team. So Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Igor Chinnikov, Kirill Marchenko, David Yurichek, guys like that. Obviously, you hold on to them too. But anyone else that I didn't list, I think you have to listen if anyone's interested. Um, that could include... Emil Bemstrom, if anyone wants him, that could include Eric Robinson, because I think we've got like Liam Foodie that could replace Robinson in the lineup. Um, if someone is willing to talk about Adam Boquist, for example, um, I would say Jake Bean, but if his injury is taking him out for the season, then that he's off the table. But um, so those are, are, are names that um, that I don't expect to move but I wouldn't be surprised if they do move and I would listen to offers for those guys. 
So now on to questions from Twitter. Uh, first from Justin Needham. And first of all, shout out to Justin and his wife, Rebecca. Uh, they were on the trip with me to Sweden and Finland. They are great people. Uh, just can't say enough nice things about them. So he's got a question here about our friend Eric Seeds. Can Eric survive World Cup, the game, and CBJ hockey all going on this weekend? And, uh, well, first of all, I feel like of those three, for him, the uh, CBJ game will be at the back of the mind. Uh, he will maybe be setting that aside to focus on the other things. And, no, I think he's going to be a wreck for the USA game on Friday. He's going to be a wreck for the OSU-Michigan game on Saturday. Uh, but that's, you know, that's why we love seeds. If he were calm and Zen about sports, then I would think that there's something wrong with him, you know, is he okay? So yeah, he's not going to be all right. And yeah, Eric's girlfriend Maria chimed in and also said that, no, he is not going to survive the weekend. Uh, also got a question from her, from Maria DeVito. If you were GM, what would you do with the kids for the rest of the season? So this is something that I addressed in my article today. Um, and I've written about earlier in the season as well, uh, I'm fully on board with playing the kids. Uh, the future are these star prospects that we have. And this is a season for development and a season for getting answers about what we have. So, so we need to play these guys in NHL games to find out, are they NHL players and are they NHL star players? And one of my frustrations with Brad Larson is how little he trusts these players at this point. Um, you know, a guy like Cole Sillinger is playing less than he did last season. Now, he's not playing as well as he did last season, but I think the coaches need to think about, are they putting him in a position to succeed? Um, and I don't think they are. I don't think they're giving him the right line mates for him to really thrive. Um, if you look at a guy like Kent Johnson, who is like third on the team in points. He's like the third among rookies in the whole league in points. And he's playing like 12 minutes a game. Uh, we have six player, six forwards this season who are age 23 or younger. And none of them are playing over 14 minutes a game. And yet guys like Johnson and Chinikov are some of our most exciting and productive players that I believe that they have done enough to warrant playing more minutes, um, you know, playing Gus Nyquist more minutes. What does that really do for us? He's not part of the future, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess play him until you can trade him, but maybe trade him sooner rather than later. If it creates an opportunity for these other players, um, you know, Kent Johnson has produced goals, when he's played on the power play with Johnny Goudreau. Um, there was a game within the last week where he scored a goal at five on five playing with Jenner and Goudreau. And it was a beautiful goal. And yet he was back on the third line in the next game. And I don't understand like why Larson is going to give him a brief shot in these roles and he does well in it. And then he doesn't get anything more. Uh, it's just, it, it boggles the mind. And then Maria had another question, which is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Um, this is a great question. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. I feel like it is 
so much lower stress than Christmas. And I love Christmas too, but Christmas can be a lot of work, uh, especially to do it the way that I like it and my family likes it. But Thanksgiving, I feel like it's just one day. It doesn't have to be a whole season. It's just one day. And it's about getting together, now whether it's with family, your friends, or however you celebrate it, and just making a big feast and just hanging out together, sharing food together. I just, I love sharing food. And so Thanksgiving is a great holiday for that. Um, I'm honestly big on side dishes for Thanksgiving. The turkey is honestly not the star of the show for me. So, and among the sides, I think if there is a corn dish, then that is something that I'm going to gravitate towards. Um, for a long time, when, whenever my parents would host, my mom made this thing called Jiffy Corn Casserole. Uh, this is very similar to like uh, corn pudding that you can get at City Barbecue. And it was amazing. I could eat so much of that. Um, if I go back for seconds at Thanksgiving, I'm usually not getting more turkey. I'm just getting more of whatever the best sides are. If they're sweet potatoes, I love sweet potatoes at any time of year, but especially Thanksgiving. Um, I like mashed potatoes. Now, depends on how they're prepared. Um, there's could be a wide variance in terms of mashed potato quality. So, uh, that's something to work out, be on the lookout for. But if it's very, if it's well seasoned, very maybe like a garlic mashed potatoes, I love. If it's very creamy, I love that. Um, so those were would be the um, the side dishes that I look out for the most. And then of course, pie. You have to love the Thanksgiving pies. Um, I always love if there's an assortment of pies to choose from. Because then rather than pick just one, I'll do like a little half slice of several different kinds and then, you know, pile on some whipped cream on top and enjoy that as my dessert and uh, regret it afterwards, but uh, totally worth it. So uh, that is how I am going to celebrate this week. Um, I hope all of you have a great Thanksgiving with your families or friends or however you are celebrating it. Uh, I am, as always, thankful to all of you who listen to the podcast, for all of you who read JacketsCanon.com, who follow us on Twitter, at CBJCanon. Um, we couldn't do it without you. I really, really value the community that we've built there at the site and appreciate everyone that's part of it. I'm thankful for all of you. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. We'll catch you next time. For more content from the canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelaperley.com for more music and show dates. <laughs>